All right. Welcome, everybody, to the first ever edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. My name is David Berry, a videographer with Rivals.com. I'm the producer of the show and also the nicest guy at Rivals.com, as uh, announced by Mike Farrell. So let me welcome in the stars of the show, Mike Farrell and Adam Gorney. And let's jump right into the first topic, Mike. Uh, we, you know, we saw Texas take their loss to Maryland over the weekend. Uh, it was kind of a, kind of a surprise, but was it that much of a surprise to you? Yeah, it was. And uh, I am clearly the biggest jerk at Rivals.com, is if you go on any message board, you'll find that out. And Dave Barry is a very, very nice individual for hooking us up with the podcast here. And, you know, I mean, they were favored by almost three touchdowns. Um, you know, you expected something different. And I think the fan base uh, at Texas is is more upset that it looked even worse than the Charlie Strong days on defense. Um, they're expecting some improvement. There was so much talk about Tom Herman and and the improvements that they were going to make. But when you go with a scheme change like that and personnel groupings and everyone's getting used to new coaches, um, it, it was just ugly. The tackling was ugly. They took bad angles. Um, they, they didn't make any key stops when they needed to. Maryland had a freshman quarterback uh, come in and, and look like a veteran. And, you know, I think I think there's a real problem at Texas for this season. Um, and it's going to be interesting. I was over on Orange Bloods, our, our Texas site, and Everybody over there was just so disappointed, more disappointed probably than than any loss other than maybe Kansas during the Charlie Strong era. So it was a big upset and, and good for Maryland. They look good. But the story here is the Texas defense and how bad they were. But that's the thing, Mike. I mean, the Tom Herman hype was so big that every Texas fan believed he was going to come in and immediately make it like Houston. And that's just not how it works. I mean, Maryland isn't exactly chopped liver. They're probably like a middling Big Ten team and and Texas is far from a, a team that looks like a like a college football playoff team, even a big Big Twelve contender really at this point. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they continue to play like this. If they look so bad, if people start turning on Tom Herman, it I don't think they do. Uh, he is the last great hope for this uh, for this program, but. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they handled him moving forward this year if they continue to look so poor. It should be better, though. I mean, it shouldn't yeah. be worse. You know, there's a lot of talent on this roster. We've seen the recruiting classes. So, you know, the fact that it was worse, I think, is what upsets everybody the most. You know, 51 points to Maryland. No offense to Maryland, but that is not a program that should put up 51 points on all these four- and five-star prospects. So, you know, I think that's what the problem is. And, again, you know, Tom Herman, as we know, it's one game. He's not the last hope for Texas. Texas eventually is going to be back as a national title contender. They're not going to stay down forever. I think the expectations that Tom Herman was going to switch it around so fast, which I bought into, are the big problem here. Um, you know, so we're going to have to be patient. That USC game coming up, that could get ugly. It could get really, really ugly if they don't fix some things. My my prediction is they look great against USC and everything is fine. They'll be one and two, but there'll be hope going into the Big 12 schedule. Um, USC didn't look like uh, one of the best teams in the country against Western Michigan. So I think Texas will turn this around. Tom Herman's a great coach and uh, just give him a little bit of time. We'll see. What do you think, nice guy? <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll be honest here, and this is easy to say after the fact, I wasn't all that surprised. I mean, like Gorney said, Maryland – not a bad team. I, I didn't expect Texas to turn around as quickly as some other people expected. And so uh, you saw what you saw on Saturday. But let's move forward to, uh, to Sunday, Sunday's big game. 
uh, with a huge surprise, uh, maybe not in the outcome of the game, but just in the way it went down with Texas A&M, such a big lead over UCLA, and then Josh Rosen bringing the Bruins back. What do you guys think? Gordon, I'll let you go because you're, you know, I love I love Josh Rosen, obviously, but I think you love him a little bit more. So go ahead. I think I do. I, it's, a, it's a man-fatuation thing going on here. Uh, this is one where even Dave Barry can't spin it spin it well because Texas A&M is in big big trouble. Uh, they were it was really a thirty five nothing run to finish the game. UCLA was getting blown out. Uh, let's say maybe it given up a little bit uh, toward the end there until things just started opening up for them. And the way that Josh Rosen led that team back was simply amazing. Four fourth down touchdown passes. Obviously the best quarterback in college football. I mean, if you put him last year with Juju Smith at USC and all those guys, I don't even think it's a conversation. Um, you know, Kevin Sumlin is definitely clearly on the hot seat. Regents are coming out and saying they want him fired right now. And, you know, there's definitely an upheaval. So the, the way that Rosen brought that team back really kind of showed what I've seen from him for years. He's incredibly talented. He's throwing to pretty average wide receivers. That offensive line is god-awful, and uh, he's still put up 45 on an SEC team. So I'm a Josh Rosen fan and continue to be. Yeah, I am too, but the, I think the big issue here is, you know, they were just dominating them with the run game. You know, Starkle goes down. Second half, they just decide to throw the ball too much. They can't adjust at all to the offensive changes that UCLA made. That was a UCLA team in the first half that had given up. Rosen was getting hit on every play. You know, he hadn't given up. Uh, but typical of UCLA, as we've seen in the past, they were just mailing it in. Defensive line was just awful, other than Jalen Phillips, who's a freak of nature. Um, you know, and, and the offensive line wasn't protecting him at all. They come out. And they, they changed their scheme a little bit. The middle of the field is what they work. And Texas A&M can't adjust at all. Um, and it's really embarrassing. You know, and, and the whole, you know, uh, scepter thing, whatever that was, you know, on the, the sideline. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, it was like they were celebrating the victory already. And, and I think everybody else was, too. Nobody expected this to occur. But, you know, for them to blow a lead like that, I think someone's done. Um, you know, and, and the thing that I wrote about this week is is think about the quarterback situation. Now, I'm a big Kellen Mond guy, but obviously he was not ready for showtime as a, as a passer in this game. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but think of the guys, you know, uh, Kenny Hill, Kyler Murray, Kyle Allen. Yeah. Those those guys are all gone. They were all mismanaged. And, and you know, that falls on Sumlin as well. Uh, that's a lot of quarterback talent there that is either playing someplace else and starting or backing up, you know, Baker Mayfield in Oklahoma. And, you know, this has been botched for two, three years now. And I think they probably should have moved on by now. But this is really it. This is the nail in the coffin. It just got strange in the second half. I mean, Keith Ford was running all over him. Travion Williams was doing what he wanted to do. And their quarterback goes down. They put in a true freshman. They start throwing the ball all over the field. It was just... Amazing. Odd play calling, and, and it really, I'm sure, just started infuriating Texas A&M people. So no matter what Kevin Sumlin does now, they want him gone. Yeah, I was on their board also, and they're, they're just not thrilled you know, at all, as they should be. And they, they feel it's two years too late, too. They feel he should have been gone by now. you know. And it's funny, the mainstream media doesn't like to call for a coach's head. 
you know, I don't have a problem with it, but it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, Kevin Sumlin will probably not last the rest of the season if they continue to play like this, especially defensively. And if they show no ability to adjust at halftime or even during a game to, to changes that the opponent makes, it's going to be an ugly season. Everybody expects A&M to start strong and finish poorly. This year they started poorly, and we'll see where they go from here. Okay, so what about the flip side of it with, with Rosen? I mean, we, we talked a little bit about it a few minutes ago, but d- what do you guys think? Does this mean going forward for UCLA and, and Josh Rosen that you know we've seen in the past couple of years some flashes of greatness from him, and we all expected him out of high school to come in and, and be this great quarterback? And he's shown that a little bit in the past couple of years. Going forward with that offensive line and those receivers that he has, is he going to continue to do the things he did on Sunday? Uh, what do you guys think? No. I mean, I think he'll, I think I think he'll put up big numbers. I picked them to go eight and four and be actually one of the surprises of the Pac-12 because there's no way they could be as bad as last year. And then the first half happened, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what a horrible prediction! I think they'll be one of those teams that loses to a couple teams they should beat and beats a couple teams they should lose to. I don't think Mora is really developing those those guys, and I think they give up a little bit too soon um, to really expect them you know, to, to have a great season. And, and one of the questions that was asked of me earlier this week was what if Rosen had picked Michigan? And, and I'll let Gorney talk about that. Cause he, he did visit Michigan before he chose UCLA. He, Gorney and I know he was not going to go to Michigan. I mean, we, we kind of knew how this was going to play out, but imagine him at Michigan after watching them play Florida with all the young talent and, and the offensive line that they have there and, and the running game and, and how fast that defense is and how great Don Brown is. What do you think about him if you were at Michigan? I, I would love to have seen the dynamic between Rosen's personality and Jim Harbaugh's personality because a lot of people think it would be like oil and water, but I think it would be a perfect combination. Both are really unique characters, but both are super competitive and want to win. And with that offense, you know, the defense is getting them off the field in three plays. They're three and out. The offense is back on. And, uh, you know, Wilton Spade is not exactly a top-notch quarterback. If Rosen would have gone there, sitting behind that offensive line, throwing to Donovan Peoples-Jones and Jehu Chesson and all those guys last year. And, you know, there were a lot of, there's a lot of young talent there and Rosen would have been perfect for it. Now, would he and Harbaugh clashed a lot? I think maybe, but... At the end of the day, they both want to win big time, and I think it would have been a perfect fit for him. Don't you? Yeah, I don't know if they would have clashed either. You know, I mean, obviously Harbaugh has handled different quarterbacks throughout his career. Obviously, Andrew Luck is a, a bit of a, uh, a nerd, so to speak, and, and a very quiet guy who's a nice guy who doesn't rock the boat at all. And, uh, you know, obviously dealt with Kaepernick prior to Kaepernick's, um, you know, stance in the national anthem, but he's dealt with different personalities as a quarterback. I think those two would feed off each other. I think Twitter would explode because between the two of them, they would say some of the dumbest things you've ever heard in your entire life. But I think they would really feed off each other because they have similar personalities. They're outspoken. They don't give a crap what anybody says. Um, They don't care what they look like as far as, you know, the things they say and, and, and the persona they project. And they are super competitive. Now, the knock against Rosen was always, you know, at UCLA that he didn't care enough and all that stuff. We know 
from his high school career and, and being around him, how competitive that kid is, how many fourth quarter and third quarter comebacks he led. Um, I think with him at Michigan, with the talent they have there, I think they're a playoff team this year. And, you know, Wilton Spate, nothing against him. He's a good game manager, but, you know, I mean, two pick sixes against Florida. That game should have been just an absolute rout. And he sort of kept Florida in it. And I think that could be the problem for Michigan moving forward is they don't have a guy that can bring them back if they fall down two touchdowns in spate. Well, look at UCLA last year, abysmal without Rosen when he, after he got hurt. Michigan were, was a few plays from making it to the playoff. If you put Rosen in that offense with that defense, they're definitely in the playoff last year, no doubt about it. And I think this year too. So let's yeah. move to uh, – my awesome Heisman list, which got a lot of horrendous comments on message boards today as well. Um, you know, and, and I'll let Dave chime in on this one, too, as the nice guy. But the, the thing that, that people pointed out, you know, I had Saquon Barkley at number one, Rosen number two, and we all know he's going to fall because UCLA will lose games. Uh, Lamar Jackson, three, Baker Mayfield, Mason Rudolph right there, depending on who wins more games. Uh, then I had Jalen Hurts and Sam Darnold and, and JT Barrett, my pick initially to win the Heisman because the quarterback for the best team usually wins it. And I think Ohio State's going to win the national championship, even though they didn't look that good. Jalen Hurts was the guy that everybody laughed about. Um, he didn't put up big numbers against Florida State. Um, you know, But again, if he is the quarterback of Alabama and they go undefeated and win the national championship, I think he's going to be a guy that's in New York at the very least and a finalist, but looking at these eight guys, let's go to Dave first. I mean, which one would you pull off there? Well, are you, you mean, which one do I stands out to me as, as the top contender? Or maybe just a little bit too low, you know, Barkley, Rosen, Jackson, Mayfield, Rudolph, Hertz, Darnold, and, and JT Barrett. I mean, which one do you think is ranked too high or too low? Uh, I, I think you put Sam Darnold a little bit low. I mean, it's a week one. He, they have so many, so such high expectations coming into this season. And I mean, that's been the case with UC, uh, USC the past few years, right? They, they have all the talent in the world. And then, uh, the season doesn't turn out like everybody thought, but I do like his skill set. I like a lot about him and he does have a ton of talent, uh, around him. So I, I think that he will climb up and I do agree that, that Rosen, uh, we'll move down. So let's go from one complete West Coast homer in Dave Barry to another complete <laughs> West Coast homer in Gorney. Gorney, I assume you say the same thing. This is the smartest list I've ever seen. I mean, oh, having a Penn State go. running back well, number one Mr. as Penn a Penn State, State grad. Yeah. It's the best program in the country. It's RBU, and he's number one, and he's great. And, and, he, and know, he's not going to win. Same thing about him against Akron. We'll see more, uh, you know, throughout the season. If he blows up Michigan's defense, if he kills Ohio State, you know, in the Big Ten championship, which I fully expect them to return to this year, and a run to the college football playoff with the unstoppable duo of Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley in the backfield, he's definitely the number one contender. Rosen, right there. Um, you know, Hurts, I don't know. Everybody expects Alabama to be undefeated and go to the college football playoff. You look at the teams that they play this year, I don't see a loss. Maybe Auburn uh, later in the season. The guy I want to, I'm going to keep a close eye on is Mason Rudolph. I know it was Tulsa. I know it was home and I know it was one week, but that offense is unstoppable. Um, he has so many receivers. I was watching the game and I forgot that Tyron Johnson had 
transferred there. And he's like the third best receiver on that team. So he's going to be a guy that puts up ridiculous numbers and they almost force him to go to New York for the Heisman Trophy thing. If they beat Oklahoma, that's the key. If they don't, he's off the list. Yeah, and then Mayfield will probably be in New York. I mean, you know, Barkley probably won't win it unless you're a running back who rushes for 2,000 yards and or goes to Alabama. You, you really have a tougher time than the quarterbacks. So you notice that these are all quarterbacks except for Barkley. I, I think Barkley, and we'll get to that in a minute because we did our top 32 for the NFL draft. I think he's the best player in college football. Um, right now, he's number one. You know, if he has one bad game, in a, in a marquee game, you know, say against Michigan or or, or who, Ohio State or whoever, then he'll just drop right down. One of these quarterbacks will probably end up winning it. But you mentioned something interesting, which is, you know, can anyone beat Bama in the SEC? I, you know, it's one game, so you got to you got to say they've got to get through the schedule. LSU look good. Um, Auburn, I think, is the one that has the best chance because of the rivalry aspect of things. The big question will be: Will Will Auburn be in contention? By the time they play, um, you know they're going to give it their all because it's a rivalry game. But will they have more to play for when they actually do line up against Alabama? I don't see anybody in the NCC East that can even touch Alabama right now. Yeah, not even, not even close. Florida, the offense is just bewilderingly bad. I mean, it's just awfully bad. And it's weird because McIlwain's an offensive guy. Nussmeyer's an offensive guy. And they can't do anything. I know they were losing, uh, they were missing some guys because of suspensions, but... And Michigan's defense is phenomenal, but come on, they, they didn't move the ball at all. Their two touchdowns came from pick sixes. So that game was really 33-3 if you, if you, put the, uh, if you take out the defensive touchdowns. Georgia, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we'll see how Fromm does this weekend at Notre Dame. Their defense is also good, but really, Alabama, it, it continues to be the SEC, Alabama, and then everyone else is sort of a... An okay, decent team, but nothing that nothing at the level of Alabama or Ohio State or or schools like that. And I think Auburn's the team maybe with Stidham now as a better passing threat than they've had in a few years, and and obviously the the, the very good offensive line they have and the power running game. I just don't know if the defense could, you know stand up to what Alabama brings to the table there. But um, you know, another question I got is you know is the season over for Florida State in Florida after one week? Um, you know, obviously it's not over, but are these teams that can compete for the playoff based on what we saw with Francois gone and the quarterback situation at, at Florida? I think both of them uh, are eliminated as playoff contenders. Not that Florida was ever really a big time contender, but I just don't see Florida State being able to move forward without Francois and compete for a national title. There's not a national title, but if you can win the ACC, you're going to be in that mix. And there is so much talent on that team. If James Blackman can just be a guy who doesn't have to be a superstar but doesn't screw up all the time, I don't know. I mean, they're going to basically wipe up everybody in the ACC except for Clemson. That's going to be the game. Maybe Louisville. Um, but there's a ton of talent on that team. If you hand the ball off to Jacquez Patrick and Cam Akers, you're going to be able to move the ball at least enough. And... uh you know, other than some a couple special teams miscues, Florida State's defense was was great against Alabama, and so uh, Florida, that it'll be them in Georgia in the SECs, maybe South Carolina. It'll be an interesting to see if they can outscore people, but um, I don't think the season's over. Um, but they're certainly certainly backed up now, especially Florida State. 
which had such high hopes. And now with their quarterback going down in the fourth quarter, um, we'll see how James Blackman does. But um, I think there's still too much talent to count them out. Yeah, the defense is very good, much improved. But we got to remember what Louisville did to them last year. Um, you know, again, Derwin James wasn't there, and, and the defense is much improved this year. But you can't count Louisville out. And, and I just think there might be a couple of, of teams on that schedule, other than Clemson and Louisville, that might give them a go, trip them up a little bit. I mean, Francois, I think, was the guy. Um, when you put a true freshman in there, you're going to have to dumb down the offense. You're going to have to really – uh, be a lot more predictable than you were. Uh, the offensive line, I didn't really like a ton of what I saw from them. So Florida State, I mean, Florida was not a national title contender. So Florida State's really the big question there. Um, we can ask the nice guy what he thinks. Um, but I, I think, honestly, when you come into the season, you want to make the playoff. And I think both of these teams are, are pretty much uh, long shots for the playoff. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it was interesting going into that that. Uh, Florida State Alabama game you know you thought coming out of it no matter who lost the 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 game the loser would still have a a great chance to to make it to the national championship but then with Francois going down that that is going to make a very tough road for Florida State everybody's writing in Clemson though and Kelly Bryant has as much experience basically as James Blackman does so Mm -hmm. yeah but they have more offensive talent they have more may have more offensive talent at Clemson uh, I think you know, I think they have more talented receiver. I think they have better offensive line. Uh, obviously, they, they've got to find a running back, and, you know, the freshmen look pretty good there. It's going to be interesting. Maybe the ACC doesn't get anybody. Maybe they all have two losses, and, and they're the conference that's left out, which never in a million years would we have thought, you know, heading in. But, again, it's one game. But the fun part about sports is how ridiculous it is to talk about stupid things like this after one game. And speaking of, <laughs> speaking of stupid, you know, let's talk about uh, the top 32 for the NFL draft. Not that it's stupid, but it's so early, you know, that this is going to change so much. But it's so much fun to do because, you know, not only are you evaluating film from last season and looking at these guys, but, you know, we, we got a week under our belt to take a look. And we've got Saquon Barkley as the number one player. That doesn't mean we think he's going to be drafted number one. But I, I personally think he's he's higher on draft boards than Ezekiel Elliott was. Um, you know, and I think with Elliott going top four uh, in his year, I think Barkley could be, you know, one of those guys that goes top four as well. And then the big question is Rosen, Darnold. And I don't have Josh Allen on this at all. I, I thought he looked really bad against Iowa. I think he's played two power five teams and been exposed. Now, that being said, I think he's going to play Oregon and put up big numbers because their defense is horrendous. But I'm just not buying into the small school guy right now. This is the best list ever. Saquon Barkley, number one. Oh, no, I already used that line. Um, I don't buy Josh Allen either. And if I'm going to draft a quarterback, um, I'm obviously going Josh Rosen. Um He's phenomenal. He's, he's the most talented quarterback available. And uh, everything about him says that he can understand NFL defenses quickly and pick it up. Now, the small school guy question, that's another thing I don't really buy, though, because uh, Carson Wentz is far better and far more developed than Jared Goff was. Um, and so we'll see how that plays out over the years. But we have to remember Josh Allen is throwing to Wyoming receivers at a Big Ten school and doesn't look good. So I'm not exactly not sold on Josh Allen, um, but 
Certainly, I'm, I'm sold on Rosen more. Darnold will be interesting. He was a one-year phenom. He proved himself for one year. A lot of times, guys get figured out after one year. So we'll see uh, how he kind of goes through the season. Not a great start. He could have put up huge numbers against Western Michigan, uh, and he didn't. Um, he has some pretty talented young wide receivers. So I still think he's a great player. Definitely a top 5-10 pick. But we'll see as the season goes on if he continues to struggle. You know, Stanford's defense isn't going to give him a whole lot this week. So we'll see how much he takes and then move on from there. But uh, definitely, I think Rosen continues to be the number one quarterback available. And then people just rip him and love to rip him and love to complain about him and say he's not competitive and all this stuff. But he just goes out and wins games and is super competitive. So I don't get why people, you know, say say so many things about him like that. It's just... Uh, you know, listen, I, maybe I'm a little cranky about the small school thing. And remember, the last couple of years, at the beginning of the season, Christian Hackenberg was supposed to be the number one pick overall. And I think Brad Kaya was, at one point, supposed to be the number one pick overall. And then everybody falls in love with, with Josh Allen. And yes, Carson Wentz looks 100 times better than Jared Goff. And I don't think that's going to change. And I was a Goff guy. You know, I mean, I, I thought he was the better uh, pick. But Wentz was, was actually... You know, they, they caught up to him, you know, uh, by the middle of the season. But at the beginning of the season, he was actually, you know, changing plays at the line of scrimmage, looked com- in complete control and and had the look of a confident future NFL quarterback standout. And then Goff, who was thrown into the season late, his offensive line's horrendous. I watched him in a couple preseason games this year. He looked horrible. Um you know, so you have to consider, you know, the small school aspect when you talk about Carson Wentz being better than Goff right now. And I don't think that's going to change. But again, with Rosen, it's like it's going to depend on what coach wants to deal with him. It's not that he's I mean, he could be he could have some Jeff George aspect to him where he's got that sort of attitude where he'll he'll call out a coach. We all know the the David Shaw story at the Stanford camp and you know, why, why he didn't get an offer from Stanford. And, you know, coaches want a guy who is, you know, confident, but they also want a guy who's not going to rock the boat. And I think that's why a lot of people don't have Rosen as high because they worry that he's going to be a guy that comes in there and thinks he's smarter than everybody else because that's the persona uh, that has been built around his image. Whereas Darnold is sort of an aw shucks, you know, all-American, you know, kid who, We'll go in there and, and do what you want. Um, but I think the guy to look for on this list, and the list is up on Rivals.com right now, the front page, Christian Wilkins at number six at defensive tackle has the potential to be the number one pick in this draft. He's that special. He he played, obviously, defensive tackle and defensive end. He's a freak athlete. He's played fullback. Um, he's a guy that we have number six right now who I think you have to keep an eye on uh, as far as moving up on this list, I love Derwin James, of course, safety. Um, you know, if Jamal Adams went top six last year, I think James can certainly go top six this year. Um, and then the biggest question mark I have is sort of Arden Key and that injury situation. Uh, he's a great edge rusher and everybody has him in the top 10, as as do we. But will he slide if he can't come back and, and show, you know, what we saw from him prior to the the shoulder issue? So, it's an interesting list. There's guys missing on here that are, are you know, elsewhere. Um, you know, I've got Gesicki from Penn State at 27, which I don't think anybody else has a tight end in the first round. And it's a real interesting list. It's going to change a lot. But um, these are real fun to put together. 
Yeah, they are fun. I mean, it's really just throwing names at a wall to begin with. But, you know, there is some thought put into this uh, of where we place guys and what we think of guys and who's high and who's low. And just because you put up big stats in college doesn't make you translate into an NFL player. And, you know, there's definitely going to be debates about Saquon Barkley and Darius Geis, I think, at running back. And very similar to the McCaffrey-Cook-Fournette debate last year. I love Dalvin Cook more than Fournette and McCaffrey, but we'll see how it all plays out, and uh, we'll continue to do this throughout the college football season. And then prediction time. You know, we got to take a look at some of these games coming up, and I, I think podcasts that do predictions are very boring. So let's go through this real quickly, you know, because who cares what we think? And I get everything wrong when it comes to, you know, spread and all that stuff. And I'm not looking at the spread. So I'm just saying I think Ohio State takes care of Oklahoma. I think it's going to be a very interesting game. I think it could be a high-scoring game. I think Clemson's going to take care of Auburn at home by 10. Uh, I, I uh, Georgia-Notre Dame is tough because you've got a true freshman quarterback on the road. Notre Dame beat Temple. Now they're all of a sudden in the top 25. I believe in Brandon Wimbush, but I'm not sure I'm sold yet. Uh, but I still think Notre Dame at home against a true freshman quarterback is the bet there. And, uh, and then Stanford-USC – you know, I always go for the punch in the mouth team, so I'm I'm, I'm taking Stanford on that one. Um, I'm sort of with you. Ohio State definitely beats Oklahoma. I think um, Oklahoma couldn't even touch them last year at their place, and they don't have nearly the offensive talent that they did last year. Um, Auburn Clemson's an interesting one. Auburn is a team a lot of people like them going in there and, and winning that game. Uh, but I'm going to go Clemson. It's home. Uh, you know, Auburn is still working out some offensive kinks. Everybody thinks Jared Sidham is the savior of the world there. We'll see if he is. Clemson's defense is going to be something he hasn't ever seen, especially when he was at Baylor. So we'll see. Uh, I, I'll take Clemson. Uh, Notre Dame, I think they're a t- I think they're actually a pretty good team. I, Temple is not the Temple of last year. Uh, they didn't even look close to as good offensively or defensively, but there's a little bit of a refocus there. I think Brandon Wimbush is definitely a guy who's incredibly talented. He's got a lot of weapons, I think. And uh, I'm going to take USC over Stanford. Um, and I don't know why. I, I Like you, Mike, I like the team that can line up and run at you and, and not be stopped. Um, but Darnold, if I've ripped him today unfairly, I, I didn't mean to. He's incredibly talented. They have a lot of young talent. Ronald Jones you know, is kind of a sleeper pick to continue to move up those Heisman lists. And so, you know, I'll, I'll take them too. So taking four, (laughs) four home favorites really isn't the uh, smartest thing to do, but uh, that's how I'm going week, uh, week two here. No, I mean, listen, based on my picks, you should take Oklahoma, Auburn, uh, Georgia and USC for sure. What about you? Nice guy. Well, I wanted to ask you guys, who do you like in uh, San Diego state, Arizona state? Oh my God. Here we go. (laughs) Playing this week. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That, Aztecs at the Sun Devils. That's it. That's it's it's on the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> What's the over? Give me the over. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I'd have to I'd have to look that one up. I don't know. ASU's only like three point favorites or something. That's that's bad. Well, it's gonna be a probably a hundred ten point over. The good for, thing is ninety percent of the country is asleep when that game kicks off, so we don't have to watch. So last last thing on the message boards, I know I I didn't prepare you guys for this, but you know, I've been on the, I've been on the message boards today and um, a couple, (laughs) a couple of uh, 
interesting comments here about the draft list that I saw. Somebody said that Mike McGlinchley in high school looks exactly like Jimmy Clausen, and they think that he's come back as a tackle to get extra eligibility. And uh, but the the funniest was that uh, Christian Kirk looks like Frankie Munez with a strong tan. That was funny. I like that one. Um, our message boards are never ending entertainment for us. Um, I don't really agree with actually either of those because I don't think any <laughs> McLinchley looks like Jimmy Clausen at all. And, and Christian Kirk does not look like Frankie Munez. But it's always fun to be on the message boards. Um, you know, yesterday I was on the on the Orange Bloods board and, and they asked me why I didn't put Texas A&M in my Saturday, uh, you know, shame column on the three-point stance and, and again I know it's a Sunday game and yes most games are on Saturday so listen try not to be so literal uh, about Saturday shame but I, I wrote about him specifically because it was such an embarrassing and horrendous loss today and it gave the Texas fans a little bit of joy um, and then of course I put it on the A&M board and everybody agreed that someone should be fired two years ago and they just all attacked me uh, instantly, just simply because uh, I'm Captain Obvious and he should have been fired three years ago. So it's always fun navigating through the boards there and, and how much they love you one second and hate you the next. Uh, so I don't know if Gorndog has any that he remembers this week. Uh, and I call him Gorndog because of the Nebraska fans love to call him the Gorndog. But the, our message boards are probably the most fun I have all week. Yeah, you know, you get a thick skin when you go on a board like Nebraska and you see your face put on a guy riding a corn dog, which is a jet ski. So that's pretty good. <laughs> but nothing brings me greater happiness than taking a few minutes and reading the main board every day. It's just filled with incredible knowledge, deep conversations. I love it. And it might be leading to a divorce, but uh, I, I love sitting on there and clicking through everything. I, I just learned so much. So uh, that's where I'm at with the message boards right now. Uh, we got to get that, Dave that Barry on there. Picture. Yeah, that corn dog picture is one that I want you to send me. It, it's so. gotten to the point where anytime I post on there, I'll post again and say waiting for corn dog dot gif. So I've been waiting for it each time, and so there was a uh, a few choice pictures thrown up there today when I posted. Uh, you know, you get better better results when you post positive things instead of always honest things. But <laughs> we'll see. How it goes over at Nebraska later today after I've made this comment. Yeah. Got to be honest, though. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I guess we should wrap it up there, guys. Solid effort on the first first podcast. Uh, you can find us always on Rivals.com, and, and we'll see you again next week with another edition of The Godfather and Gorney.